Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. I'm Britton. And I don't have a funny intro bit, so I'm not going to carry this podcast by myself. Uh, when you guys Man, got like a like a funny thing, like, a, like yeah. we were just we were really goofing it up. We had we had a lot of good knock knock jokes to warm up. <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of rib ticklers, a lot of uh-huh. zany. Uh-huh. zany humor i'm gonna look up a good knock knock joke actually yeah, i fine. take it back good <laughs> knock knock <laughs> jokes for adults oh hang on um <laughs> okay hey guys knock knock who's there <laughs> dishes dishes who dishes the police open up Quota were you uh, having to meet? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about Die Hard with a Vengeance this week. Which is fitting. Because can't you just imagine Bruce Willis yeah. being like, Dishes to police, open up. Holy <laughs> moly. Jeremy Irons. Knock, knock. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex wanted to say something about the movie. Sure. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, the third film in the Die Hard franchise, which is allegedly what we're reviewing on this podcast. It has a 59% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 83% audience score. That's the lowest critic score, at least, that we've done so far for, for Die Hard. And it's, uh, it's from 1995, and John McTiernan is back as the director. I vehemently disagree with the critics' consistency consensus whoa i do you think critics basically serve a purpose uh (laughs) doubtful i'm I'm gonna say press x for doubt (laughs) now let's review this movie for the next hour and a half (laughs) um real quick i will say i clicked on one of the 55 dirty knock knock jokes oh to crack you up in 2022 and they have a little uh little opening paragraph that says much like the chicken that crossed the road and i was like i don't think this is going to be a good website (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that now webster's dictionary defines knock knock jokes (laughs) truly (laughs) humor is jokes have been told since the beginning of time even the cavemen wrote drew silly cave <laughs> paintings to make people laugh they they would lead to a sort of pun something they didn't have hey ug check this out stick what stick it to ya oh grog they um, told they told rock rock jokes what they did <laughs> I don't see the point in continuing the episode. I think we just crushed it. We nailed it. Uh, good job, everybody. Great analysis of Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's uh, really, That's actually. I do like that, which but, makes me, which makes me an honorary dad. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. I like having before a... before we wrap it up here, though. Do you want to go ahead and say the synopsis for this? Yeah, for sure. And then we'll. Uh... And hey, speak <laughs> speaking of uh, children's games and wordplay. 
Detective John McClane is now divorced, alcoholic, and jobless after getting fired for his reckless behavior and bad attitude. I said that much more with a more sort of a jocular tone than I think the film did. <laughs> uh, he is called back into action, however, when a cryptic terrorist takes New York City hostage in a lethal game of Simon Says and refuses to speak with anyone but McClane. Teaming up with a street-savvy electrician named Zeus Carver, McClane dashes through the city, trying to stay one step ahead of a murderous plot. John McClane starts his movie divorced, alcoholic, <laughs> and suspended from the police force, yuck. <laughs> For a minute, I didn't know if you were doing Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> and I was like, take, is he going to end pick. this? With, go, go, yeah, okay. His, his, neck does, his neck does get pretty red in this movie, so sure, why That's not? That's true. <laughs> 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 yeah, John McClane is back. Alex, do you want to talk a little bit about John McTiernan being back and your feelings on that? Now that Rennie, uh, Rennie Harlan's sure. hit the hit the bricks. <clears throat> um, yeah, so obviously um, John McTiernan's back. Um, there's a five-year gap between the second and third films, which I think it's probably for the best in terms of kind of taking a break and then, you know, returning when they actually had an idea instead of just trying to rush out another one. Um because I would imagine that would have followed much in the same vein as the second film of like, just pick a different location, but it's the same plot. Um, or roughly the same plot. But uh, yeah, I'm not, to be honest, aside from John McTiernan's like huge action movies, Predator and his Die Hard movies, I'm really not familiar with, with his filmography. Um, so I can only really speak to, to my... Uh, you know, my experience with his, his main action films. So obviously I'm, I'm super happy that, that he did this one as well. And I think he kind of picks up right where he left off. And this movie is absolutely crazy. I think it's just a constant, um, it, it's an exercise in just making it as tense and as stressful for everyone in the movie as possible. And I really, really like that. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I liked it too. I, I would say, uh, well, I know we, we did away with the best and worst thing, but like Samuel L. Jackson would be my best thing. I think he's really, really good in this. He, I, I feel like I don't hear about this movie discussed very often when people are talking about his sort of iconic performances, but it had to be instrumental in sort of forming the reputation that we know him for now. Right. Because this was, where was this in relation to Pulp Fiction? I think it was the year after. The year after. Okay, sure. Because, yeah, Pulp Fiction was 94, I believe. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, he's just fantastic in it. Like, he's so he's such a good actor. He's so energetic and funny. And, like, he, he, I, I d continue to not really like John McClane. Hey, John, don't make fun of people with stutters. Just don't do that. It's a fake stutter, but also don't do that. Um, I continue to... It's such a weird thing, though, where I continue to like Bruce Willis, <laughs> but not like John McClane, which is weird because, like, you know, where does one end and the other begin? Um, but, uh, I, I think Bruce Willis is still very good in this. Um, but yeah, Jackson just like totally owns this movie. I think I would say, if, again, we're not doing worse things, but I do want to go ahead and point out this movie does make us look at the N word, um, which I didn't feel good about for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, it was interesting watching the movie because I feel like this movie had weirdly a better understanding of 
racial politics, particularly involving the police, than movies now do in mm-hmm. some way, in some cases. Um, just to set this up, if anyone hasn't watched the movie, John, the first sort of, I guess, task he's given in this uh, uh, horrible game by the demented Quizmaster um, is is to stand with like a one of those like board signs over him in Harlem that says that he doesn't like, and then it has the N word. And I was like, Oh, we're just, we're just gonna like, we're just gonna look at it. This is just like a part. Okay. Oh boy. And then this is what kind of sets off Samuel Jackson coming over to like save him from these other guys who see him and are like, understandably, we don't, they don't like that. He has that sign on. And Samuel Jackson saves him, and it's, it kind of creates their relationship. You get a reference to the gun tape to his back. It's all, you know, it's a whole thing. And I liked how the, how they worked out their them starting with this contentious relationship, but also John gets it made clear very quickly to Zeus, like, this is why I'm in this position, and it kind of breaks that down really well. But then uh, Jackson has this really great line where, I can't remember where in the movie it is, but John is basically like, well, you know, you saved me from those guys, so like... You must something about we must be you must like me to some degree to save me. And he said, no, I saved you because if a white cop is killed in Harlem tomorrow, there are a lot more white cops and it gets way more dangerous for us. And I was like, that's a very I hadn't thought about that. That's a smart point movie. Like, okay, I was I was ready to, to maybe throw some judgment at you that I think I was wrong about. Like, you got some ideas here. And I think speaking to Samuel L. Jackson's performance, like that's what really came across for me is that it's not maybe nuanced but it's sure. i mean he he is playing a different character than he is known yeah. to play and you know i think probably the most sort of samuel l jackson like phoning it in sort of performance quote unquote is like snakes on a plane like that kind of sure. is, is where he crystallizes in the modern viewer's mind of like that's what samuel l jackson does mm-hmm. um uh and this is is pretty subdued in a lot of ways he mm-hmm. he is playing a guy who like just kind of runs a, a shop in Harlem. Um, and he's wearing glasses a lot of the time. He, he plays him like an, like an everyman. Then it, yeah. it works really well in a way that like, you're not used to seeing Samuel L. Jackson be someone who plays a kind of more reserved kind of guy. Yeah, just, who's just trying to go about yeah. his, his, his day. Uh, you're used to, you know, Pulp Fiction where he's crazy and over the top. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I him, thought that was really yeah, or like a Nick Fury authority figure, right? Kind of guy, but yeah, like he's just a guy in this, and like I totally bought. It. I thought it was just a really good mm-hmm. performance, and they still he gets to throw around several MFs, and that's mm-hmm. he's, he's very mm-hmm. good at that. <laughs> it's man, he's man he's, likes he has a way with words. He you know? sure does. Um, Jackson is an actor who I he's a movie star and he's a, a type and a persona, but he's a very good actor, like. He the reason he was able to get to that point is because he's a very unique performer. But he he just like even if he had never been famous, he could work forever because he's a talented actor. Right. Um just you know, flat foundation. He's he has a lot of talent. And so it was <clears throat> I really, really enjoyed seeing him in this. And like I said, I my my, my all my stuff about John McClane and blah, blah blah Bruce Willis is still great. Like I still enjoy Bruce Willis in this. Um, we will eventually discuss the alternate ending to this movie, where I think Bruce Willis is super good <laughs> in in that alternate ending. Um, but yeah, 
there's a little bit yeah, I think, from me. I think one of the, the really cool things about how Sam Jackson is is utilized in this is that it's it it's just a huge improvement from the second film. And obviously we we like the second film, yeah. you know, for the most part. Yeah, it's a it's a decent follow up. Yeah. It's not it's not nearly as good as the first one. Every everyone knows that. But this one, I think it really fills in that void that the second one is is kind of missing or suffering from. And that's we need a side character to help Yeah. Like level with John and yeah. to to some somebody with a personality who can actually challenge him and talk with him instead of literally just passing exposition to him about how yeah. an airport works. Well and that and that <laughs> he doesn't feel like A, he doesn't feel like well, just make him Al a second time. Just have sure. John make a new black friend. Yeah. But two, he doesn't. I I, I don't know. It, it, they, it just feels like they came up with a different character. And his relationship with Zeus is very different. And by the end of it, it would be weird if those characters hugged. Like there's this beautiful touching element to him and Al coming together and creating a, a, a friendship. And in this is more like their coworkers who just kind of get stuck <laughs> together on a, on a project but then by yeah. the end of it, they both have a like, I don't like you, but dang it, I respect you kind of kind of vibe. Um, and I just liked them sort of playing back and playing off of each other for the whole movie. I haven't seen Unbreakable. Alex, I think you might be the only one here who has. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming you get some good byplay between them and that, too, or at least I'd hope. Because they have great chemistry together. Yeah, that's that's a bit different. Sure. Um, Sam Jackson's playing a bit more of a nefarious character, gotcha. let's say, yeah. and Bruce Willis is a lot more stoic. He's not. That's not really a movie where he expresses charisma. Gotcha. gotcha. Very different. Um. So yeah, they, they still get some some moments in that, but it's not it's not nearly the same. Okay. Gotcha. Um. Yeah, I think <laughs> the moment that I laughed at the most was um. Bruce Willis, they're yelling at each other for something, and, and Bruce Willis goes, "You know what? I think it, it, it. This is a race thing. I think you don't like me because I'm white." And then <laughs> Sam Jackson goes, "No, I don't like you because you're gonna get me killed." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um, did we miss uh Holly and Al and the the crew? That's the interesting thing because I feel like norm. Under normal franchise circumstances, having a change-up like that and we don't see it and it's all done off-screen, I feel like that would be very aggravating. But for some reason, it works here. And I'm not sure if that's just because of the nature of how diehard plots are constructed because they are so plot-driven. That stuff doesn't matter as much. Or if it's just John McClane works best when he's the underdog, so let's just make him a complete loser in this. Um, I'm not quite sure where the line is drawn, but it, it didn't bother me at yeah. all. I also think it helps that I, I don't now feel, and I like this about the previous movie. I, I, Al does, Al didn't feel shoehorned in that movie. Right. And he doesn't, they don't feel like, okay, well now we've got a, f- Al's like, oh, hey, I'm on assignment. <laughs> you know, I'm also here. They're just like, we're doing this new thing. And, and here we go. Yeah. It is weird that they don't address you can kind of fill in the lines and I, but I, I don't know if they're trying that I say they would really probably be John McTiernan is trying to just totally wipe the second movie off the map and pretend like it didn't happen. Um, It's a little weird that they go from him being the, on the LAPD and that to then back to the NYPD and we don't address 
him transferring yeah. or anything. Like it, it seems like, and obviously that movie, the goal is by the end, like, Oh, John reunites with Holly and they have, you know, this really touching reunion. Um, and so it's a weird pivot to then swing back in the other direction in this movie. Uh, it definitely feels a little bit like dueling visions for what the franchise should be. Um, so that was interesting. You, you can definitely tell that it's... I think you can tell that this is what John McTiernan would have liked to do with a second movie if he'd gotten to do that directly afterwards. Like, this is the direction he would have taken it, and he kind of just reset the playing field to that instead. But, I don't know. I think it works well enough because, you know, if he did have a falling out with Holly, he he would have left L.A. Sure. Like, she was sure. the reason he went there. So I, I think it makes sense that he would have gone back to where he, he came from in the first place. Yeah. But it, um, it sounds like they had broken up when he was in New York because they were, he's like, we were, she was in L.A., I was in New York, yeah. we were on the phone fighting, and then I never called her back. Ah, oh, I guess maybe you're right. But uh, you can, maybe. You can sure. still argue. It's like, okay, he went back to New York after one argument and then that yeah yeah but i don't know that felt turns out john mcclain's not a great people person i don't know if you knew this or not 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 a social butterfly john Mm -hmm. mcclain yeah (laughs) um i i do i do really like how we just this movie just continues the thing that I liked from the first one of just like we've got all these wonderful little character quirks and character beats that just like it helps fill in the world and make it, you know, feel real. Um, and I just love that we just start off with John McClane, our hero. This is the third Die Hard movie sitting in the back of the, a truck, not even like in a chair. He's just on the floor hung over and they're trying to get him some pills to wake him up. Yeah, because he doesn't show up for a minute. It's all. Yeah the the police crew yeah no i i i absolutely love kind of where we start his character and just the fact that he's just kind of miserable for the whole day it's just it's just the ultimate day of suffering for him (laughs) and i i just like the refrain of him going i've got a bad headache and they do try and set up with simon that he suffers from headaches just i guess so we can have the setup with the with the uh the bottle of pills that John uses at the end to track him. Mm. Um, that seemed like a, a odd character quirk. That was, is a weird setup and payoff. It's a clue that they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, they really are good and evil, love and hate headaches and headaches, Toronto mm-hmm. and Italy or whatever. Yeah. Headaches and worse headaches. Yeah. yeah Toronto and New York. Oh, I mean, Hey, New, if it's New this- York and Italy. Yeah, Toronto and New York. What is this? The CW? New hey. York and LA, LA and Toronto. Des Moines and Piscataway, New Jersey. I mean, <laughs> just think about it. Pittsburgh and Manitoba. <laughs> Speaking of locations, because I'm going to try and segue us out of this. Um, you don't like when Tyler- we just name cities? <laughs> That's Tyler our new and bit. I we practiced this for a good 15 minutes beforehand. I hey, think you were do- out of the room, Alex, but. Yeah, it's just fun to think about. Dubai and Glasgow. Alex, try it. Name two cities. I bet you can't. Yeah, I bet you can't. Name two cities. London and Sicily. All right. Oh, yeah. and all right. A, 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 a man of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. I see these jokes are intercontinental. 
<laughs> well then. The point I was trying to make. Hey, what do I, who do I give my boarding pass to? <laughs> Tyler and I actually managed to watch part of this movie together because right. we were we were hanging out and, and doing other doing that other activities, fun. watching other movies. Mm-hmm. Oh well, were, no, that's were sounds- in- you were no, invited. That's great. That sounds like I'm glad you guys had a good time. Oh, keep talking about the good time you guys had and the memories you made and the inside jokes and stuff. Uh, Tyler, go, go in and edit out everything that I said. That way it makes Britain look <laughs> really bad. <laughs> it makes me look insane. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler and I made it about maybe like 45 minutes to an hour in. Um, and I, I think we got to the, uh, the bit where they have to basically steal a taxi and they're, they're driving through to make it to the, um, the, the bomb on the, uh, subway Mm -hmm. and they're driving through central park. And I said something like, I don't know how they filmed this. Like, this is the first time in a while that I've genuinely been like, in terms of like filming on a real location. And, like, I don't know how the logistics logistics of this must have been a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't... I it's, it's very, very impressive. Just the scale of this movie. I think this movie does a wonderful job of being a bigger scale. It's no longer at a single location. Now we're yeah. just in a full city. But it still feels like Die Hard. Yeah, and it, it feels specifically like... Okay, now it's... New York City is the tower like yeah this this entire area is what kind of everyone's trapped in and now it's it's not so much the oh physically how is he going to get out of this tower it's like the entire city is a hostage anyone could be killed at any time by these these terrorists how is he going to save everyone and get out of this um yeah i i really like the the villains plot to kind of pivot off that i think i mean jeremy irons is great as per usual absolutely um but it's it's really creative and i I think it really it almost is more impactful to me than the original like the, the actual plot and the scheme that hans gruber and his team have where it's kind of okay everyone thinks they're they're just terrorists and they're kind of faking that but actually they're just trying to get into this vault and steal all this money. This one's kind of the same thing, but it's it's taken to another level because they're threatening so many more people. They're they actively blow up uh, a store at the beginning of the movie yeah. that just suddenly uh completely goes up in smoke. Um and I think which is really they, neat cuz that actually sets up like it gives them reasons to like insert all their construction crews and everything that ultimately leads to them stealing yeah. what they're going to steal. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, they set up this, this whole running scheme of like, all right, we're, uh, you know, terrorists and we're blowing things up and we're holding places hostage and you have to play our game. We're psychotic. Like Jeremy Irons is pretending to have or display all these things that they're, psychologist is like the like the police uh forensic psychologist i don't know what you'd call them um it's like trying to analyze like okay so this is what the guy's problem is he's got some problem with john mcclain um and the whole thing is a cover for them to get all the gold out of the federal federal reserve in new york uh 
and supposedly sink it on a boat. But then also there's another twist of Jeremy Irons trying to take all the money for himself because he's been paid by these terrorists, but they would never know any different because they were going to blow up all the gold and sink it in the water. So he gets away with all the gold um, or attempts to. And that those layers and twists work really well, I think. Um, I don't know if Jeremy Irons kind of overtakes Alan Rickman as a performance, but I think it, you know, is a really good compliment to it uh, as they are supposed to be brothers, which is a little bit, sure. it's a little bit uh, specterous, specter-ish, <laughs> I guess. Uh, not quite as. I'm fine with that in this film. It's, it's fine. It's just kind of like, oh, the, it is weird because the way they introduce that is some FBI dudes meet them in a car, meet, meet John McClane and all his friends in a car. Uh, and they're like, do you recognize this guy? He's a general from Iraq. And do you recognize this guy? He's, uh, I forget what they call him. He's, they're like, he's Peter. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they give They say one name. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, he was born Simon Gruber uh, or something like that. And it's like, why not just say, like, yeah. why not condense that a little so that you just have the reveal? Because we've been of... <laughs> presented in the past that the government agents are absolute fools. Sure, sure. Maybe maybe that's <laughs> what it is. Um, I thought that was strange. I would rather have them just been like, you recognize this guy? And then it's like, what about this guy? What if I told you his name was Simon Gruber? And it's like, oh, man. Like you, I feel I feel like that could be condensed a little bit more. But overall, I think the scheming is good. I think it recaptures. I mean, not entirely, but it it comes a lot closer to getting that tension from the first movie that I felt was kind of lacking in the last movie. So, sure. what would have been terrible is if uh, Simon was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, William Sadler and all of his guys right. were working for me the whole time." <laughs> now that would have been the Blofeld right, twist. Right. <laughs> That I would have hated. They're my brother too. <laughs> and so William also John was born yeah, William no Gruber. Also, John, you're only an adopted McLean. You were born. Gruber <laughs> I was literally about to John say Gruber. you were born a Gruber. <laughs> no, sorry, he doesn't. He's not played by Aziz Ansari. I don't know why that was the, what my voice did. No, um, Alex, I wanted what you were saying about. Does this mean that that his name would be John McGruber? <laughs> Now there's a TV show. <laughs> um, I, I I really, I had a similar thought, Alex, about how the logistics of filming this are crazy. Because I frequently wonder this in particularly older movies um, with like civilians caught in these action sequences. I wonder, are those stunt people as extras because they know kind of how to be around this stuff? Or are those just sure. extras with a, with a very specific blocking? Like... Because this is not that heavily digital. I mean, like right. when the, the, the subway car is like tearing through the station and it's ripping all these things down. I was like, that's got to be a soundstage. But that's crazy. And you just have all these people. It It's really impressive because it doesn't. I mean, I know it, it looks like a movie, but it doesn't look overly polished in that yeah. way. It looks like a chaotic explosion. It feels pretty real. Most Definitely. Of the time. And like when John and like you said, we're going through Central Park, I was like. Do they just fill that the park with extras to be to pretend to be civilians because they would know how to get out of the way of a car, or are they just like stunt driver? Be real careful, because <laughs> because these people don't know what they're doing. It was it's really impressive, um, mm -hmm. 
yeah. filmmaking. And it is, digital effects are a wonderful tool, but they are not a, a, a panacea. <laughs> it mm. is wonderful to do vit- practical effects when you can. Especially in yeah, this movie, uh-huh. this movie like ninety eight percent holds up in terms of the the uh, the technical side of things because obviously there's the um there's the scene where they flood all the tunnels and the water rushes in right. as John's trying to escape and a lot of that doesn't look great. There was a little, there was one little piece of that that I don't even remember now that kind of reminded me of the, of him ejecting from the explosion in yeah. the last one. So it looked a little like think- all right. Yeah, I think it's like a wide shot of the wave yeah, like carrying yeah, yeah. the truck and you can see John just kind of standing on top of it. Yeah. I think it looks right. a little off. Yeah. yeah. The first one was nominated no, but I think... for an Oscar for visual effects and it lost to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I think is pretty fair. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's a great movie. Oh, that that's a super impressive year for for visual effects cuz you got you got those two, you've got Batman Forever, you've got GoldenEye. Like it's oh, like a bunch a- of 88 this was Die Hard One. Sorry. Oh, I thought you meant this. Film. No, no, no. Sorry, Die, Die Hard One. Nope that that makes sense. Yeah, Roger Rabbit did not come out in 1995. Yeah, I, I, I have, I have failed, I have failed everyone with my, um, <laughs> my, my horrible memory of of the years that movies come out, which is has always been correct up until this very moment. Correct. This is this is the part of the. This is like when you realize your dad's not perfect. That's what this is for me with Alex. <laughs> this is when I've learned that maybe. Maybe Alex isn't isn't perfect. Look, look, guys, this uh, this is going to have to be my last episode of the <laughs> podcast. I I leave it to Tyler and Britton. It's in wonderful hands, and they will do live free or die hard justice. Next good night. Next episode, Joseph comes on. He's like, "Hey, everybody, I'm Joseph, and who from Roger Rabbit was released in 1988?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> J.K. Alex isn't going anywhere. Yeah, I feel like if you'd asked me when that movie came out, I'd be like, mm, probably like 97. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to tell you, honestly. <laughs> like, not have... I thought this movie came out, this Die Hard 3, I thought it came out in 93. I don't know stuff. Years are fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to talk about going along with just the production value. Yeah. I really like how violent the movie is. <laughs> um, I like, and... I, I'm a broken record on this, and I've said this for the past couple episodes. I love that John McClane gets beat up and bloodied, and he gets beat up and bloodied like nobody's business in this movie. <laughs> like, you get to the end, and he's just covered yeah. in blood. What does and he do? He, he gets he gets put through the ringer. At, at one point, he pulls a metal uh, strip out of some part of his flesh. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's like a piece of the um the rope they use the, or the cable wire they that they use to climb onto the boat. Yeah, and they fall, which that might have been one of the weaker parts as well. Just in terms of like we're starting to break the you know yeah the the uh, verisimilitude of of how much these guys can actually take because they fall pretty far when they land on the boat. It's a little. That, it's a bit much. That bit is a little iffy because there's also. They're basically they realize that all the the gold is theoretically on the boat, and then they realize it's not on the boat, right? Um, but at the time they think it is, and so they're trying to jump off a bridge onto it, and they hook a a cable to the boat crane, which is fun. Uh, and there's a a line where John McClane's like, "You can't jump onto that 
Crane, Samuel L. Jackson, you're, it would split you in two. Uh, or the cable would split you in two. And then when they fall and like the bridge snaps, or the bridge makes the cable snap, or something weird happens, uh, it shows the cable whip through a guy, like a guy sitting on the bro- boat. And it's like a really quick, kind of weird yeah. shot. <laughs> it's very much like... I liked it. This is a yeah, gag, well. but also we have to pull, we have to make this work realistically. Yeah. And it kind of, it was a strange, <laughs> a strange moment. Uh, and then they both drag, they each drag a, a different half of the guy and do a container, which is that's a fun. great shot. The way that they're like they're they're standing and Jackson is his back is to the camera and they go, Bruce Willis says, "Okay, grab his legs," and he picks up his legs and then he turns around and you realize, oh god, yeah. they bone tomahawked him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty good. Um, yeah, great. There, it, but yeah, I think it got a little iffy there for a second. But you're right. The overall, like Bruce Willis, is just bleeding almost too profusely by the end. Like, sure, he should have he should have passed out at some point. Yeah, and just like like the just the elevator sequence alone, and it's not. And he makes a gag out of this later, where it's not even him. Like, it's not his blood yeah. that he's covered with. It's just the fact that he shoots all these guys within such a small space. He gets covered in their blood. Um, just like little moments like that. And it's like, yeah, these guys participating in violence show the consequences of the violence. Otherwise it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> How did we feel about the supporting cast? Because we, we do try and make characters out of a lot of, um, John's police, um, co-workers and his boss. I felt pretty good, and this actually leads into something I was going to talk about. Uh, I felt I, I liked the mustache boss. Uh, thought he was he was pretty good. Boss mustache. Boss mustache. Yep. Cobb. Cobb. Right. Yep. Black corn on the cob, which we sell here at uh, Boss Stashes uh, Grilled Steak and Eatery. <laughs> Come on down. We got <laughs> we got shrimp top steak with corn on the cob. Um, ball stashes, mu- mustache, <laughs> steakhouse, stash, stash house. <laughs> and let me tell you, we'll be mustaching for more. <laughs> and we got, we got little mazes on the menus for the kids. <laughs> um, right off I-63. <laughs> um, but no, I liked him. Two rats. I, I enjoyed seeing Graham Greene. Uh, Graham Greene is one of the, I think his name was, um, Lambert. Lambert. Yes. Uh, what, it was cool to see a Native American actor just like in the movie. There he is. There's, there's Oscar nominee Graham Greene. Um, and I, this just for Britain, the, uh, his name was Charlie, the bald guy who was like the bomb diffuser guy. Um, his name's Kevin Chamberlain. He was in Road to Perdition. I know him because he played Horton the Elephant and Susical on Broadway. In huh. 2000, he was great in that. I, I always enjoy seeing Kevin Chamberlain. He's um, been in all sorts of stuff. I'm, I can't remember what specifically. Yeah, he's, he's a very prolific performer and a great stage actor, a uh, uh, great screen actor. The The thing that kind of made me the happiest is one of the little, the older of the two boys who come to hang out with Sam Jackson and they're trying to sell him the radio and all that stuff. That's Aldous Hodge from One Night in Miami, The Invisible Man, uh, Friday Night Lies is on leverage. Like he's gonna be Hawkman in Black Adam. Ooh, yeah, um, yeah. 
I was I was like, no way that is, and I was like going back and forth, trying looking, trying to find like pictures on like that that specifically Aldous Hodge. But yeah, I thought that was just so awesome to see Kid Aldous. Um, wow. Now 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 that I've done my IMDb segment, um, I, I will say I, I I like the supporting cast. I feel like again I feel like we talked about this a little bit in the last one. Not not really in a uh, disparaging way, but. The, the first one does such a good job of making all like all of those characters in that movie are so distinct. Even if I don't know their names or remember what they said, I just like I can picture so many of the uh, Gruber's team or Holly's coworkers. Like I remember so many people in that movie so clearly. And two and three, I, I like the supporting cast. I, I don't have the same kind of like iconography, I, I, I would say, which that may just be I, I'm able to remember those characters in the first one because of the social osmosis from years of diehard being diehard sure but um no i, th- I think it's a, a a good crew of people i think that simon's team doesn't have as many sort of standouts for me maybe the, the lady does but yeah i, I was gonna say the, the lady who ends up being his lover i guess yeah. and not the other guy in that weird love triangle right, um because right. <laughs> the other guy is is trying to be the Carl of this movie in terms of I'm the big guy that yeah. is going to beat up John at the end. And I think there is um, a guy named Carl in the in one. There is also yeah. another guy named Carl. Yeah. And I was very confused. I was like, did they bring him back again? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he jumps out of the ocean on a shark at the end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I felt like um, particularly on, 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 the police side of things i i really liked that they didn't just make them into a bunch of buffoons Mm -hmm. Mm because like with the the original die hard it really was just john's alone yeah he can talk to powell but everyone else around is incompetent they don't know what they're doing and i like how this one is just no they're just in an impossible situation so they can they only can do so much they can only be like no, we only have so many resources. We've got to try and find this bomb because he said it's in and, one of these thousands of schools. Yeah, and they're um, they're trying to do a lot of things that feel like plans you would come up with if you were in that situation because you're like, yeah. I don't know. Like, they, they set up all the kids yeah. uh, to sprint out of the school. And, and they're so like, that, we'll keep him busy by singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh, well, if we get down to it, we're just going to have to start making people run so that... Uh, if they both set off the bomb, a lot of the kids get out <laughs> before yeah. it happens. And they're even bickering about like, well, he says he's going to set it off. Like, how long do we yeah. wait? Yeah. Like, I love all that stuff. This this feels very much like, no, we are writing these these characters as real people who are trying to think logically through an impossible situation. Yeah. They don't just come up with like very dumb decisions that come out of left field and make no sense. Yeah. And we also. There is antagonism. There are people, like, obviously, basically every conversation that John McClane is in, he's arguing with somebody. But it doesn't feel like anyone is directly acting, like, in in an attempt to block him. Like, you don't get the moment where Cobb's like, John, you've caused too much damage. Give me a badge. You're you're done for the day. Go home. Like, you don't get that moment. And I felt like Die Hard 2 did have a, maybe a little bit too much of that yeah. in comparison. Um, so yeah, I, I really liked that side of things. And yeah, I, I think in terms of the villains, um, obviously Jeremy Irons is absolutely wonderful. And the lady for 
the limited amount of screen time she gets, she's very memorable <laughs> just because she's so weird <laughs> and violent. Um, but I feel like just because of this operation and the fact that it is so grand scale, it kind of makes sense that we lose track of a lot of Gruber's men because it's just there's too many of them. Yeah. <laughs> you need a whole army and, to execute this. And Krieg is around and i kind of kept expecting them to do more with him but he kind of just gets yeah. pushed to the side a lot of the time and then he gets killed and it's like okay all right yeah guess that wasn't supposed to be a big thing yeah um how did you guys feel about the actual puzzles i thought they were actually quite a bit of fun yeah like the uh the bit with the uh the water jugs and they have to that was get, yeah yeah what is it we have to get four gallons um yeah. even into one of these <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was it was because it's it's cute that they're all like kids like, oh, here's my like the first thing or one of the first things he asks them is like seven wives with seven yeah. cats and baskets and whatever the, the thing is like, <laughs> like he's asking him things that are literally like you could go look up riddle of or, or book of, of riddles, yeah. book of, of kids, kids, book of mind benders. Like you go find something and like that makes sense because he's not he's just literally trying to stall them like he's not yeah they're all distractions he's not actually you know really invested in these or trying to put together like he's not he doesn't have some psychosis about like childhood games it's it's literally just like (laughs) he could go couldn't really go online i guess at that point but uh or at least not not conveniently but you know could walk into a bookstore and be like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna grab just a book of things that make you think (laughs) <laughs> little, little puzzles and then i'm gonna uh make these these poor souls have to deal with them uh like the they're all really simple and easy and i think the plot gives a good reason for that to be the case um there's the fun bit where the truck driver uh, the garbage truck driver tells john mcclain that the 40 not the 21st president is chester a arthur mm-hmm. uh and there's a part where they try to redirect them to Yankee Stadium just so that they can shoot John McClane. <laughs> like they, there was no actual puzzle or threat. They were just going to shoot McClane after making him run up to Yankee Stadium. Yeah, uh, it's it's fun. It, it it makes again the same the same thing as the cops trying to be like, ah, what do we do with this? It also makes it feel like the villains the could attempt to pull off a plot like this realistically and everything they're doing tracks with how their actions would play out uh, in a real world scenario. So, yeah. And it's great that they have like all the, all the fun little setups at the very beginning. Like they establish, Oh, a bunch of uh, trucks were um, construction trucks were, were stolen. And that ends up being the way that they get the gold out. Um, There's just a bunch of little pieces like that just kind of sprinkled throughout the movie. And it's like, oh, you get to the end and you're like, oh, this this really came together as a a plan. I understand kind of all the ins and outs. It doesn't just feel like, oh, you guys didn't really. You thought about like a single twist and you didn't think about anything else. (laughs) From a screenwriting perspective, I think this is a very uh, well thought out script. Um, I, I, I think... The surprise that the bomb at the school is not actually a bomb, I think that is so well done. Yeah, I, because I like that. the movie winds the audience up so tight, just 
being tense about like if it's going to go off if they're going to disarm it or whatever um and they they establish it perfectly where where you know the kids are still up in the the classroom with like two minutes left before the bomb's supposed to go off and and um lambert goes rushing in to try and save them and then it's like oh we don't have enough time let's just go on the roof and try and see if we can survive um and then it ends up just being what is it like pancake syrup that's, yeah, that's yeah. the. That's a, the <laughs> I was just thinking about that because I was looking up um, when we were talking about Kevin Chamberlain earlier, and um, he. Uh, this I think is really the first, or at least Wikipedia says is the first thing he really was in. I don't know if he did anything else before this, um, but uh, that I wonder if that line is like because he he gets squirted with it and he's like pancake syrup, uh, and it's kind of like is that the is that the line that that really locked in the fact that he would have a, a career a bit kind of bit actor career off of this i realized i think i know him apparently he's a, he's a main or a minor part on heroes huh. uh and i think i mostly know him from the disney channel show jesse huh. uh which starred someone who i've already put my phone away and i don't remember who it is now um but i'm not it's a show that i'm not even convinced i uh ever sat down and watched but i don't know why else it would have been on like no one else would have been watching it in my household uh but i think I, you still got to convince me and britain that this is a real you show. know all right this is, this right. is his many, sky captain in the world of tomorrow <laughs> many, many review <laughs> of of jesse here uh but no i do remember uh i still got that okay cool yeah i do remember uh mr mr chamberlain from this because he's like i think he's the hotel he's sort of the the for for those of you who are fans of sweet life of zach and cody mm. he's sort of the the mosby uh gotcha. of this show i believe so yeah um jesse he played it he played a character named bertram winkle good so <laughs> debbie ryan is the, the main oh okay, okay, here. okay and okay. so she is from it's really it's really kind of a spiritual successor to it might actually be the same character i could be wrong I don't know. Maybe not. I never know. The the Wikipedia says under the section chronology, the only thing it says is that related shows are bunked. And that's (laughs) bunked. But instead of an E, there's an apostrophe. Good. I'm assuming that's some sort of bed-based prank show. Uh, It appears from the logo to be about cabins or, or... tents or something okay (laughs) like a sort of it takes place yeah go ahead it takes place at a camp uh in moose rump maine (laughs) so like a more caustic version of camp laszlo yeah probably maybe i got it i see what you're putting down i don't know camp laszlo is is pretty caustic so that's yeah i guess it could be (laughs) i uh man clam so good jesse had 98 episodes <laughs> there's something for you alex <laughs> where's jesse that, alex that that almost raised my blood pressure the same way that that 22 seasons of law and order raised my blood pressure not quite but we're close <laughs> hey alex what has a yeah. head a tail is brown and has no legs. 
A head, a tail is brown and no legs. What is it? Uh, dun, a table? Is it, is it table? <laughs> you, oh, you said no legs, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, no legs. Okay. Unless it's one of one, unless you're living in the future with your 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 hover your hover tables, yeah yeah suspended tables yeah. What what is the answer, Britain? I don't know. A penny. There you go. Yeah, I'm on riddles.com. Hey guys, I have another riddle uh, for you. Wait, wait. Sorry, I, <laughs> I think uh, since we're taking an extended hiatus from talking about Die Hard with Vengeance in the middle of our yeah. Die Hard with a Vengeance episode, um, the, the Jesse Wikipedia article does have a. A subsection called controversy. Um, Good. Disney Channel did not broadcast broadcast the episode "Quitting Cold Koala" on its originally scheduled date and showed a rerun of "Kids Don't Want to Be Shunned" instead. I don't know what that's about. The episode did, however, appear on the Disney Channel website, Watch Disney Channel, and on Disney Channel on Demand, the channel's video on demand service. On Facebook, Disney Channel announced we are removing this particular episode from our regular programming schedule and we're, we'll reevaluate its references to gluten restrictions in the character's diet. Uh, the edited version of Quitting Cold, Cold Koala aired on July 5th, 2013 as part of a two-episode spectacular with all gluten jokes having been removed in the revised version. I think that's really, you know, that's that's the magic of the internet. That's how, <laughs> like, you know, Disney Channel can realize, like, hey, we don't want to make any gluten jokes. It's not cool. You know, you hear a list of gluten cut you, you, you hear a lot about cancel culture. You hear a lot about political correctness these days yeah. in cancel culture. What? You know, guys, I've I've been I've been looking for for a, a stupid thing to white knight. Can can this can this yeah. be my soapbox? We can't make. Wait, so they were gonna. So was there a gluten intolerant child, I, and they made fun of them? I guess. I, I guess. Oh, but you, hey, you want some spaghetti? I'll do, a book, I'll do a book report on this. That's that's koalas. Do they have gluten? <laughs> <laughs> I think this would be a great follow up to your seminal YouTube premiere. Uh, fries? Why are they weird? I think <laughs> fries weird. Yeah, <laughs> I think this would be a good a good additional kind of. Um, <laughs> kind of sort of your the season two to your season one if if your YouTube series yeah. is American Vandal. Yeah. Um, okay. I think sure. Be a good second investigation. I need to Guys, uh, if- quickly send another letter to the writers of Chicago Med, begging them to do an episode about gluten intolerance and have it co-star one of the kids from Jesse as a sort of <laughs> wink to the to the true fans. Yeah. Yeah. If I wasn't gonna quit the podcast because I got a year wrong for for the release date of a film, this this would be this would be the other one. This, I, I I gotta go. Just, I gotta go make a full time job out of this. Just all of this. Just cha- at least champ- the gluten cut. Just championing gluten tolerant. Uh, I'm content. I'm gonna I'm gonna go where I'm gonna I'm gonna grab John McClane's um his his little whiteboard that he's wearing his nice whiteboard and I'm gonna I'm gonna scratch out all the stuff that you don't want to read and I'm gonna write release the gluten cut and I'm just gonna go wal- waltzing through Harlem with it or just have it signed that says I hate gluten and then just like <laughs> yeah take that I don't even know where gluten I don't know anything about gluten stuff pa- power power to to the people <laughs> fight the gluten. Man, this is uh, I. 
The, I hate I hate everything. I don't know if that has been established in any of the episodes we've done. <laughs> I hate everything. We we don't Man. we don't deserve to be here. And good night. That's that that's my favorite. That's a that's a great controversy. <laughs> what can I tell you? That's really good stuff. Um uh getting back to to Die Hard uh part 3, Die Harder Er, um, Britain. Uh, do we want to talk about the ending and then the alternate ending? Sure. So in the main ending, there's a boat, and I can't remember what happens, but at the end, John uh, shoots the helicopter down. And I had a moment. I have to say, John, he's like a, re- a rocket launcher or something. Simon is in a helicopter, and John shoots down the helicopter and kills him in a fiery blast. And John, before he does, he said, "Say hey to your brother." And I was like, "Hey, they didn't do yippee ki yay." Then after the <laughs> helicopter explodes, he says it. And I said, oh, come on. I looked up from the latch hook that I was doing and I said, oh, come on. Now, now granted, it made more sense in this movie because he had previously said that to this character's brother. Um, I'm not really sure what the He should have production... said Yippee-Kaye brother. Oh, et yeah. It's really. Yippee-Kaye mother brother. Yeah. I'm not sure what the production timing on this was filming this ending versus the uh, the alternate ending, yeah. which we'll get into because it's very, very interesting. No, also, the, the rest of this ending is John and uh, Zeus are talking for a while and then John goes and calls back Holly. And well, the big the big addition is just this whole helicopter yeah. set piece. So really what happens is after John and Zeus, they managed to, to jump off the boat that doesn't actually have the gold as it explodes. Um, then they have a brief conversation with Cobb and some of the other uh, police officers kind of explaining what's going on. And then John goes to call Holly because Zeus is laughing at him. And it's like, you haven't called her in a year. What is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and right as he is calling her, he sees the serial number, the location listed like, yeah. on the, um, the, uh, headache medication that, uh, uh, Simon threw to him back when they were on the boat and that's how they know oh he's going to ontario because it's it's it has the name with the hotel the, it has the name of the hotel on it yeah yeah so basically simon thinks he's gotten away with with his ill-gotten gains and everyone's celebrating and he's about to to get it on with 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 the violent lady um and then john and zeus show up in a helicopter and some of the police are there it's a little vague who all is there to catch the bad guys there's like a blockade so anyone escaping by uh by car can't get away but yeah then john has a revolver with like two rounds in it and he kind of blows up the helicopter it's not a great set piece and i think this is probably my weakest element of the movie i think ultimately just as a more crowd-pleasing ending i understand why the studio went with this option and decided and it, it's not like it's completely stupid or doesn't make sense or it's like oh it creates so many plot holes or anything it's not necessarily that although the fact that zeus is there is a little silly i feel like at that point okay get the civilian yeah. out of here he's not needed anymore um but it does still create a wonderful oh. moment after that after john says yippee kaye because he's legally obligated to um <laughs> um there's a moment where he goes oh man i left her hanging 
and like Zeus laughs at him. And that's how we that's how we close the film out. It zooms out as John goes to make another phone call. I, I love that. I think that's for for me, that's kind of a perfect ending to the film, even though I'm not a big fan of the set piece. Yeah. Um I I really feel like it should kind of just be <clears throat> John shows up in the helicopter, he speaks over the, the megaphone or whatever, and it's like, book him. We got him. You know, I, I get that they're, they want it to, you know, because we're kind of following the footsteps of Gruber, and now the villains from the last movie, like, you want to have the big explosive confrontation with the villain that, that kills the villain somehow. But, like, yeah. it's so, yeah, it it's such a kind of tacked on and not satisfying ending that doesn't really feel like it was built up. Whereas, like... Yeah. The first movie ends with, oh, it's this movie about these terrorists taking over a tower and these these uh, thieves, these you know criminals trying to take over this tower. Uh, and it ends with their leader being thrown out of the tower and falling yeah. to earth. And we finally like see, you know, from the tower, somebody doing that. Um, and the uh, second movie, it's about an airport. It's like, okay, we are going to end up having the villains try to escape on this plane and the plane's going to blow up. All right, there we go. That's, you know, like this thematically makes sense. This is just like, there's a firefight and Jeremy Iron gets killed in a helicopter crash. And that's, <laughs> it's fine. Like it's not, it's not tied into their scheme at all. It's not like his yeah. comeuppance. It's, oh, he gave John some aspirin and that let John <laughs> figure out like, uh, yeah. I think my problem is it's just it, it the the action scene is lackluster. It's Jeremy Irons yeah. shoots at John as he runs for like twenty seconds, and then John shoots the the yeah. pole, the electrical pole that just kind of knocks into the helicopter and causes it to crash. Like it's really just like it's it's not that substantial an action sequence, and I just feel like this movie has had so many really really compelling sequences that yeah. to end on that is is it's a very much a whimper uh which is why i would argue the alternate ending is way better yeah uh i literally yeah. watched this because alex you sent this to you you had mentioned it earlier um than this but I, you sent it to us like three hours ago and i was like oh okay and, and watched it um and it's basically john having seemingly reconnected with his wife because he's he says he's gonna go home for christmas to meet his kids or see his kids again um He's been kicked off. Turns out he just had to get fired. Yeah. Like permanently fired yeah, been, for him to fix everything. He's been fired. He's a time loop. He's going to go back and do the next movie. He's going to do sure. Die Hard now. Yeah, yeah. Is it going to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt that time, though? Yeah. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he's been fired. He stopped drinking. Uh, you know, it's kind of uh, sort of back where we found him at the beginning of the movie, but also in a better place because um, he's, you know, reinvented himself a little bit. And he confronts Simon and uh, presents not a very, like, clever riddle, but it's it's a very John McClane riddle after talking through, like, hey, I figured out that you got away with all this gold. Here's how I tracked you down. You know, back and forth. It's some really good dialogue and really good acting between the two of them, who are both very good actors. Um, and then John puts, a like, a missile thing uh, it's like a yeah yeah 
It's not a rocket he launcher. Says it's a but... Chinese rocket launcher. Yeah. Uh, he puts that on the table and he's like, you can turn it whatever way you want. Uh, whichever way you think is going to kill, you know, have it pointing at me because you can't tell from just looking at it which way it's pointing. Uh, and you need to answer the riddle. Uh, what do you, What did you forget to bring to a, a confrontation with a gun that would help you live or, or, or confirmate? I, I forget what it is exactly. Um, Basically, he's saying, what would help you in this situation yeah. right here, right yeah. now? Yeah, and John is pointing a gun at him, telling him you have to press the, the rocket and point it in a certain direction and kind of, I guess, plays a, plays a mind game with him uh, and gets him to shoot himself with a rocket. Uh, and then he says, oh, you should have brought a, a, a flak jacket. You should have brought a bullet yeah. vest. Um, and so that's a, that feels very John McClane and very, like, yeah, not clever but also it's fun because that's him turning that back on simon after simon did all those you know kind of silly frustrating head games with him um he does say apka but he says it in a more yeah uh subdued manner and then he walks away and i would assume if you went with this ending maybe you put something on the end about him seeing his children or i don't know you could you could probably add something in there as a spacing before the credits roll uh, but I feel like that's a way, way better. I feel like we've already gotten all the action set pieces we need out of this movie has a ton of great action. Don't need anything else like that. This is a fun final stinger of, of John, you know, getting the last laugh for this guy and also being able to jump ahead a little bit in time and see that John gets some things together and, and kind of yeah. figures out who he wants to be. Um, there's a great line where he says, uh, Simon asks about Zeus and, he says, oh, Zeus's kids made honor roll. Like, that's that's fun. That's a nice bit. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's very clear that that is the intended yeah. ending to me. Or that is the what John McTiernan had, had in mind. And that it did not test well with focus groups or whatever. Did they have focus groups in the 90s? I don't know. I don't know how this is. It was the Wild West. I don't know. Yeah. I mean. I want to say... Because I listened to um, the Blu-ray that I have has the screenwriter. Actually, he does a little bit of a commentary cool. over the scene. And I think he said that it was specifically the executives that wanted to change it. I don't mm. think he mentioned anything about um, test screenings sure. or anything like that. Sure. Um, executives were the original focus group. So <laughs> I mean, in many cases, they still are, unfortunately. Right. Um wasn't there a report that came out like a few months before BBS that it's like all the Warner Brothers executives applauded at the end? <laughs> Seems <laughs> untrue. Um, how real quick, <laughs> me, I may have just missed it, but how did John? Did John know that? Did he somehow set up a, a protection that he wouldn't get shot by the rocket launcher, or was it just he was wearing a flak jacket? Oh, he was wearing. A he was wearing oh, the I answer see, to the riddle. Yeah, which. I that's probably not realistic getting sure. shot that close up with a rocket launcher. Yeah, you but... were still probably out. Yeah, there was a there was a good little explosion. Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're both really um, good. Like it, it was neat seeing Simon on his back foot, so to speak, and just being kind of actually unnerved. I thought that was all well well played. Yeah, Britton, I actually wasn't sure if you were gonna like the scene because I know you you haven't been a fan of the John. McLean, McLean character and I thought that might have crossed a line for you in terms of yeah I think he's gone a little too dark and a little too mean sure I, I don't know why which yeah apparently that was the reason why they right. went with the other ending I think it's because in the it's really in the first one I felt like he was just being kind of snarky 
when it wasn't called for. Um, and as opposed to this, it's like after after he's been put through all this stuff, after he's been so many people have been put at risk and have died because of this guy that it feels more like eh, this, this tone feels a little more earned. And mm-hmm. I thought Bruce Willis played it well, regardless of the character. I think Bruce Willis played it really well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I liked it. It was shot really nicely. It was it was lit effectively. Like, yeah, I liked it. Well, it's a shame because the, the version that we have accessible is not like it hasn't been cleaned up or like yeah. put in HD or anything. Right. It's very much like a um, kind of dailies, whatever they, they shot oh, on the sure. day, just kind of what it looks like. Um, so it's not like super, super clean. Uh, but yeah, it's it still looks pretty good. And yeah, it would be interesting just to kind of have if, they, if somebody went in and cleaned that up and it's like. Hey, John McTiernan, come back for a day and help us re-edit this, yeah. and we're going to release an alternate cut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one thing I missed from it is the hint that of his and Holly's reconciliation, although I guess you can also kind of infer that from him visiting his kids for Christmas. Right. So. That's what I would assume, yeah. I mean, I would assume you cut out some of the, the stuff with the boat and where they're getting off the boat and just yeah. end, like, John's calling uh, Holly... And instead of him looking at the label on the, the aspirins, he's like, okay, we're, he, we see him cutting Holly or calling Holly. Um, Zeus is flying off in the helicopter and then we cut away. And then it's like five months later or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you just have that scene. I feel like that would track pretty well, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm not quite sure where I, I weigh, on, on kind of my preferred ending because like i said I, I really do like the kind of final moment of john going back to try and call holly again while Zeus is laughing at him because that's just funny sure. um but i i do think the the original ending is a lot better written and it's a lot just better staged and yeah tyler i definitely like that it's just smaller in scale it's like we've had the biggest action movie you've ever seen now we've just got two guys sitting across the table from each other um so I don't know. I I I I see both sides, and I I kind of wish that you know the Blu-ray would be like, do you want to watch version one or version sure. two? You can watch either. Just yeah. mix them up, <laughs> randomize. <laughs> but at least we have this. At least we know this exists. It's, it's neat, if nothing else. Yeah. Release the McTiernan cut. Yeah, I'm on my next soapbox, gentlemen. <laughs> um. Hey guys. What can point in every direction, but can't reach the destination by itself? A rada a lotta. <laughs> is it time? It's the answer as written on riddles.com is your finger or a compass. But a compass? I, I don't think you can have two answers. I mean, a, a compass, compass point, can a, spin. What should have said a compass needle? But a compass points north. Yes. Oh, you're right. It always points north. So it's not really... I mean, like, a compass can be, like, off-kilter, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you can mess it up with magnets or whatever, so I guess it counts. But, like, yeah. that was my first thought. But then it says every direction. So I'm like, well, it can't be. I gotta follow the rules of the... Ri- it can't be yeah, a compass. Yeah, that's true. Also, if it's if we're accepting alternate answers, your finger or a compass, celery. Here, this celery is facing south-south-west. <laughs> <laughs> what is your what destination is your finger getting to like what like a compass at least is like okay there's a destination you yeah. can't have a riddle with two answers 
Exactly. I that's that's I the thing. Didn't, didn't like I do like the idea of like, oh, if only my finger could get to South Dakota on its own. Right. I guess I gotta haul my whole my whole you messy body over there. Cut it off and send it through the mail. Yeah, that's true. Pretend but even then, it would be doing it by mail. itself. It would be doing it that's with, true. By, with the aid of our frontline heroes, the yeah. Chicago Mail. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I bet that'd be a good TV show. I'm giving Die Hard with a Vengeance an A minus. Ooh. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I think aside from a semi weak uh, final scene, I I think this is just as good as the first one. I I really I, really dug it. I did have one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, so I'm gonna strand your grade out there while we talk about this for a second. Uh, and at least it's not like a C minus or something more embarrassing. Sure. Sure. Uh, <laughs> um i uh i think i talked about with the first movie michael Kamen, common something did Kamen. the yeah. Kamen, did the score for that and i was kind of like all right that was all right um i don't i didn't really like it for this one like he did this he also did the score for this i think he did the score for the last one too i could be wrong um yep, and i don't remember if i mentioned it last time because i i don't remember super strongly either way this score has a rendition of the ansco marching one by one yeah when, uh, when johnny comes marching home again yeah yeah the whenever um it starts whenever the bad guys are getting the getting into the vault um and they it like that comes up several times maybe i don't i like this even less because it does that during the real quote-unquote ending of the movie the one that is attached to the movie uh but that was like the only strong thing i got from the score and that repeated multiple times uh and the rest yeah. of the time i didn't really get a good vibe for it um they do it a few times so I don't and for know. like 20 minutes each time i always yeah i always hate uh calling out like scores specifically because i feel like i don't know there's, there's probably other things they'd rather be doing than scoring Die Hard with a Vengeance. I'm not super upset if it's if it's a little phoned in, but I thought that was strange. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, so because of that, I give it an F. No, um, <laughs> I think I give Die Hard to a B minus or a Z minus. Mm-hmm. I'll go. I'll go B plus for this. I can swing. I can swing a little high. Um, I was between a B and a B plus. I I think there's some really really great action in this. I think there's other parts of it that don't quite lock together for me. What um, did I give the previous one, Alex? A C. Really? Then I will um, give this one a C plus. Slight improvements across the yeah board. yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be just fine. This is a good day to rate movies. Yeah. Talking of movies, uh, my recommendation is kind of a soft recommendation. I watched another movie that has an alternate ending, uh, but in this case, I did not like the alternate ending very much. Um, and that is Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, uh, the Academy Award winning uh, picture from last year. It is it, one of the big things about this movie, and this is this isn't a criticism or a or a compliment is just a, a, a quality 
it reminds me so much of Roma, and I know I'm not the first person to make that comparison, but it's a black and white movie about the place where the director, the writer-director grew up and during turbulent events. Like, it's very clearly of that type, which is not a bad thing to be. Um, the movie looks beautiful. The black and white is gorgeous. Um, at times, the directing, and I know that this is going to sound pretentious, and I don't know how to elaborate on it. The directing is not bad. The directing is very showy, and that's mm. all I know how to say about it. Um, that does sound like Kenneth Branagh. It, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you remember how many uh, Dutch angles are in the first Thor movie? No, because I don't know what that is. <laughs> Thor, I mean. I don't know who th- what Thor is. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about a movie. Yeah, I'm assuming he's... I've, yeah, exactly. I've never watched a movie before. Um, I'm assuming Those he's... Those angles are when you just have the camera slightly tilted, and oh. you, that's your camera angle. And, like, that's all that movie is. There's is a lot Dutch of that angles. in this one, yeah. Is Thor some kind of frog? There's a... a <laughs> he can be. He moonlights his one occasionally. One. Yeah, like Bruce Willis in the show. <laughs> but this... this uh, Belfast is a, is a movie that I... I it's like 98 minutes, so it, it went down pretty smooth. I, I liked it. It didn't like hit me in the gut the way I was hoping for it to. But there's some really lovely performances. The the main kid, Jude Hill, I believe his name is very good. Um, Katrina Balfa, uh, Judy Dench, of course, good. But Kieran Hines and Jamie Dornan, actually, I think are both really, really strong in this. Um, so, yeah, I definitely recommend it. This is one of the movies. Actually, Alex, I think you might you might particularly enjoy it. Um, this. I guess it, when I watched this, I didn't suddenly rethink every decision the Academy made, but I wasn't, nor was I like, how could they nominate this? this I think it's a neat movie and it's got some good stuff. It, I, I like when Kieran Hines gets a, a spotlight because he's a very, very good actor. Uh, Mance Raider for, for those who are wondering. Um, but the, yeah. Steppenwolf. The, I'm sorry? Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf as Steppenwolf. well. Steppenwolf, yeah. Um, but he, but the uh, the alternate ending just felt to me like the ending of a of a bad tourism ad, <laughs> so I just wasn't really didn't really clue into that one too much. Uh, but the actual ending in the movie is great, and there's some genuinely moving, really lovely sequences throughout the movie. So I, I do recommend checking it out. Um, I rented it, but I'm sure you can find it out there somehow, some way. And it's called Belfast. I know that y'all watched, yeah, y'all have stuff. I watched not one but two Robert Eggers films. So um, Tyler, would you like to take one of them off of my hands because you also watched what was the, one of them? What was the one you watched? Go go first. Was well, well uh, uh, all right. I'll go with the, the other one. I watched the Witch. Hey, <laughs> I still the Witch. Um, yeah, I finally just um, cool. went through with it because that that one's been on, on my my watch list for a long time, and I was not disappointed. I still think overall in terms of Robert Eggers' films so far, I think the the Lighthouse is probably still my favorite. Um but yeah, they're all like immaculate just in just how they're constructed. It's it's very interesting that he's like these are his first three like yeah. full length motion yeah. pictures and they're all just like they're all really really good. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, just the the attention to detail and and trying to make it as period accurate as possible. That it's amazing how how long away that goes in really enhancing the experience and making you feel like you're there. And it's creepy. 
the shocker yeah, the goats have never looked scarier and also the the very ending scene of that movie is terrifying to me yeah is a, i agree it's a very good movie yeah i need to watch that one at some point it's been that's also been on my radar forever. that's a short um, one too like 80 minutes it's a quick little movie mm-hmm. yeah um i did watch the northman with you uh and yeah. I will recommend it. I think I I will have to give a uh, disclaimer with the recommendation that isn't really the fault of the movie, but I will say I think it's a weird movie to watch in the theater with other people because uh, <laughs> yes. the entire time, I think we could both kind of tell no one else. I mean, maybe not no one else, but a lot of other people in the theater. And this was not a super crowded theater, but, you know, probably 15, 20 people. A lot of people were confused. And like, I mean, a lot like the lighthouse, like, sure. uh, had a similar experience with the lighthouse, but I think that one is, that one's so over the top in yeah. terms of, of the absurdity that it kind of clicks and you, you either get on board or you get, you, you get out of the theater. Um, this one, this movie has some of that, uh, where it, it does feel ridiculous at times and, and kind of purposely. So like it's, it's supposed to feel, it's supposed to make you kind of rethink how you would imagine like a Viking ritual would be or, or things like that. Like how, what would that actually look like uh, if, if it wasn't being shot in like a way that was supposed to make you think it was super cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the movie does that, but sometimes mm-hmm. the movie is also like painting this in a light of like, Oh, this is what that would actually be. This is how that actually would have happened. And so it could, you know, look a little absurd at times. Uh, and I think we got the, the like Ridley Scott version. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a lot more human than that. Uh, and there's also creepy stuff. There's also lots of other things that go in the other direction entirely. Uh, I would say it's, it's surprisingly not as far off from the trailer as I think we all expected. Uh, I would say that I think, uh, I know the three of us at least talked about after seeing the trailer for it, like, oh man, they're, they're probably hiding so much insanity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't say it's quite that far. Uh, there, the, you, you kind of know what you're getting if you, if you've watched the trailer and, and you have the, at least the, the tone of the mood down fairly well um, from seeing that. So I, I would say it's really, it's really well done. Like Alex was saying with all of his movies, they're all like crazy impressive in terms of how they're crafted. Uh, so many one takes yes. that I don't know how they did. Yeah, like <laughs> incredible performances. Um, <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy does a, a Scandinavian, maybe Russian kind of accent uh, that is many leagues ahead of her accent in New Mutants. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what the difference between those two movies would be that she'd give a much better performance than this. But um, <laughs> there, there is that. So like uh yeah I I would definitely recommend I would say I d- I don't want to say like oh wait until it's on home video because also I want people to support the movie. Uh but I would say be be prepared for that see if you can find yourself, you know, kind of a an early uh matinee kind of showing and and get theater mostly to yourself so that you're not thinking about like guys I I promise this movie's good. I promise I promise <laughs> just cuz it's not uh you know yeah. Sonic two. <laughs> I promise. I promise. It's still. You just gotta. You gotta I, think about it. I know it's not um, making as much money as the bad guys, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
which is not like I, I I could totally understand basically if somebody you know saw the trailers thought it looked kind of cool walked in there and was like what is happening um yeah the, yeah but, it is it is kind of interesting just thinking hindsight being 2020 of course but just like I think if if myself like even five years ago went to go see uh-huh. the Northmen, I probably would hate it. Yeah. I feel like I would be so frustrated by it, but it's just interesting just being exposed to more movies through you guys and just through exploring on my own, just many different types of films and just kind of experimenting with how, you know, you can tell a story three colors trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Good example. Um, I think I, 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 uh, I, I'm willing to just like accept more things that, yeah, there is some weird stuff in the Northmen <laughs> that I just good. I don't think any sort of normal audience goer is going to be like, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I think <laughs> I remember when the Vivitch came out and talking to people who definitely had that experience, like thinking it was going to they kind of had their perception of what a horror movie was right. and specifically what yeah. this one would be. And it is not that. And so they left like feeling uncomfortable the way the movie intended but not the way they expected to and so they're like it's a bad movie yeah and i was like i don't i mean it's relative but also like i really just think you're on a different wavelength from yeah. what the movie was yeah. going for and the, I, I have not seen the north one. i'm very excited to see it but we all are ex- ex- describing it's similar to how i felt when i saw the green knight in theaters there are yeah. definitely a few points of that movie where i was like i don't i'm not, I'm not the only one in this theater who's on board but i really do think there are some like raised eyebrows <laughs> right now <laughs> If if you like the Green Knight, you'll like the Northman. Yeah. Like it's yeah. they they feel yeah. Obviously, the Green Knight is not by Robert Eggers, but they feel sure like very they're similar. covering covering similar ground, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Very, I mean, very similar yeah. thematic elements. Very different movies, but very similar. I think philosophies. Okay. Yeah, in some way. So yeah, I'm I'm I might try to make it out to Northman pretty soon then because that sounds dynamite. Speaking of dynamite, probably a lot of explosions in our next movie, right? I haven't seen it. Yes. Ooh. Talking about Sonic 2? Yeah. And that's not just uh, Kevin Smith's snappy dialogue. That's Ooh. right. It's a, it's Kevin's first appearance on the podcast? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've mentioned him before. I mean, in terms of his like being in a movie or involved yeah. in a movie that we did. We'll have to talk about that because this is like yeah. peak Kevin Smith era, right? When did this movie? When did the next movie come out? Oh seven, I think. Two thousand seven. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Okay, I thought it was earlier than that. Okay, well, yes. it's actually very much not peak Kevin Smith era, <laughs> so that'll be even more interesting. We'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. If you want to see how that goes, you can find us on herecomesequels.blogspot.com on Twitter at sequels. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcast. We're on kind of all the the podcast apps so check us out uh you're already here we appreciate it i assume you've listened this far and didn't skip to the last two minutes of the podcast unless this podcast goes another 20 minutes somehow Uh, (laughs) i can't predict the future or us but i assume we're about done here um so yeah give us give us the likes yeah give us hit hit the five stars not four not four and a half i'll take three we went all five I'll pay you $100 for each star. Yeah. Uh, only if you rate all five. And mm-hmm. also, that's not true or legally binding. Right. And if <laughs> if if we get enough likes and subscribes and good reviews, I'll uh, 
recount the <laughs> the A story from an episode of Chicago Med that basically ends like a Batman prequel. Well, there you um, go. And, or I won't do that. Whatever's more motivational. Yeah. Send <laughs> us your you... thoughts along yeah. with your likes and subscribes. Yeah, let us know. Uh, also, also vote on whether or not you want Britain to recount an episode of Chicago Med. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, I've been Tyler. I've been Britain. I've been Alex. And you're having... I was going to try and sneak in with a vengeance somewhere in there. It just uh, You're having a good night. Sure. <laughs> a, good, sure. a good night with a vengeance. <laughs>